hey, if you're here, you're in the right place. I'm Tyler Freeland, and welcome to the Brandex Cleveland Podcast, a forum where expert voices come together, united for one purpose, to help businesses and causes survive, and ultimately find success through crisis. And we have a little bit of fun along the way. You can find this episode, as well as previous episodes, at brandxcleveland.com. That's brandxcleveland.com. On this episode of the Brandex Cleveland Podcast, I sit down with Scott Himmel, founder of Harvest Owl, a true visionary and the embodiment of the entrepreneurial spirit. During this informative conversation, Scott and myself, along with special guest Mike Ozan, co-founder and chief creative officer of Twist Creative, discuss a variety of different topics related to product service, restaurant branding, and how Scott and his business were able to successfully pivot during the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic. Full of insight, and tools for navigating your business. Here's Scott Himmel on The Brand Seed. My name is Scott Himmel. I am the founder of Harvest Owl. And the first word that comes to mind to describe myself is optimistic. Very good. And I usually start these podcasts before we actually start talking about the business. I want to hear about everything that led up to that. And I would like to start with going back to your studying at Tulane. And what were you focused on in your studies there? And what kind of stuck out or inspired the next step? Yeah, sure. So my focus at Tulane um, uh, was, was on just generally on, on business with a computer science minor. Yeah, I think even to go back even a bit, a bit further, um, you know, I've, I've always been, even as a little, a little kid, just exhilarated by starting any type of business uh-huh. And uh, going back to when I probably when I was 12, you know, selling uh, concessions at, you know, recreation softball league. So that's, that's what really lights me up. And so, you know, with, with, with Tulane, that kind of, that led to uh, the first, my first, I guess, you know, a business venture out of college, which um, actually began as a computer science, uh, as a project in a, in a computer science course that was called, it was called campusmenus.com. And I developed it mm-hmm. as a, as a project and decided to, you know, end up pursuing that full time after graduating from Tulane. Mm-hmm. And you were, so you were able to integrate technology into that food business or sorry for lack of a better word, but what, what is campus menus? Cause I wanted to ask you about that as well, because this was your first kind of step into this industry, right? Yeah. Yeah. There was a, a, a company that I started out when I was, I guess, when I, was six, when I got, got my license at 16 called Deck Rescue, that was pressure washing and sealing deck. So there was, there was that. And then, uh, yeah. And then campus menus came, came after college. It's a site that students would reference before they chose where to get takeout and delivery mm-hmm. from. And the restaurants and bars that were part of that network paid a monthly fee, you know, the very based upon how much traffic we brought them each, each month. I learned a lot about at, at that stage, you know, just totally bootstrapped, no money to invest in this whatsoever. So I learned every part of the process on my on my own from you know, uh, you know the, the programming side to the sales and marketing side. So mm-hmm. it was a it was a great learning experience. There's a lot that I I did not do so well. Uh, it did not do so well, um, which I've um, you know been very intentional about changing as I moved forward beyond that venture, which I sold in 2009. Okay. And then what got you into the French Culinary Institute? Well, you know, I think I began, I began to draw a connection between food and purpose kind of around, around that same time. (laughs) It's funny. I think it was a, 
an article that Michael Pollan wrote. It was a, a, a letter then to, to then President-elect Barack Obama about food policy. Um, and it just connected food to you know, our, our large healthcare and environmental issues. And uh, I started to really think about how, you know, how I can focus on making healthy food accessible. That kind of led, you know, led to that, the next, the next stage. Mm -hmm. So were you always, um, were you ever interested in the operational side of the restaurant or food industry? Because I know I mean, you were a director of marketing, but you were also a team member at Shake Shack as well. Yeah, yeah. The Shake Shack experience, and just go back to your original question a, a moment ago, French Color Institute and Shake Shack, that kind of that came about from um, kind of my, my preparation for getting into this industry. One of my favorite business books is Setting the Table by Danny Meyer. And there's a lot of, a lot about um, uh, the, it, uh, Shake Shack is a, a uh, was under the under Danny Meyer's umbrella at that at that point, um, and there's a lot about the company culture that I really wanted to experience firsthand, uh, just to to learn about before I was diving into my own you know or creating my own my own food based business, mm -hmm. and so you know that the, the, my you know my experience at Shake Shack was just all about getting in there, really seeing the culture that I had read about in Danny Meyer's book, seeing it firsthand, so I could have yeah. a tangible understanding of how I could really instill very similar values into, into my own business. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you were director of marketing at Pal Paladar. Correct. Yeah. I'm just wanting to see the, the steps that you took that, um, that led us to harvest out. So, and it looked like you wore a bunch of hats at, as director of marketing at Paladar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, yeah, that was working with my, with, with my brother. It was a, it was a fantastic experience. You know, I, I was able to really have, have exposure to a lot of different parts of, you know, of, of, of scaling a uh, very operationally intensive food-based business. My, my focus was on sales and market, was on marketing, like you, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. One thing that I learned about, you know, my experience with campus menus is what I'm not good at. And I don't think I'm so great at day-to-day -day operations. So I, I, I thought I was able to contribute more value on the marketing side. And, you know, as I think now about building a team for Harvest Owl, we have a fantastic head of operations. We have a fantastic executive chef who run that side of the business because they're really good at that. Did you focus uh, a lot of on brand when you, you had that role, a lot, any positioning? Yeah, yeah, we, we worked with, they were, they were a fantastic partner in developing and refining the, the positioning for, for Paladar. Mm-hmm. And Mike, this kind of goes to you and then maybe Scott can play off of it as well. What's the difference between branding a, a food service compared to a product or any other service or is it not different? Well, you know, Scott and I, when Scott and I met, he, yeah, he was working as marketing director for the restaurant group you know, Paladar restaurants, and they were aggressively uh, moving that brand forward into high-end lifestyle centers. And then at the same time, they were working uh, to develop a, a breakout concept, you know, which ended up being called Bomba, which was the fun, taking the fun part out of Paladar, which was the, the bar part of it, and saying, mm -hmm. why can't we just serve the great guac and the tacos and 
a few things and the rum and cigars and like really break this piece out into something that we can put into lower, less expensive real estate. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, Scott is the most, he was the most thoughtful, um, well-prepared, um, visionary kind of marketing director that we had ever worked with. Um, as you can see, he's really an entrepreneur. He's not a marketing director, which is why it was so easy to work with him because he was always thinking about what, what else could we do, which was really fun for us. And he always evaluated the work so deeply to, to look for anything that might be a beneficial meeting or a, a negative meaning that we found makes the world better. It seasoned it. So, but the difference, you know, just to go back to your question, Tyler, the difference is, in my opinion, when you talk about something like Bomba or Paladar or even Harvest Style, where you are now, it obviously eating is an experience on so many different levels. Um, so it's not about uh, as much the packaging experience as it is the the total nourishing nurturing what happens around you who you're with you know um when you're in a restaurant you're with family or you're something memorable may be happening Mm -hmm. and that's the difference about that brand is that that type of brand is very carefully choreographed every day every hour every dish you know Mm -hmm. is on brand in a environment like like a paladar and it's very intense so it's it's a very different set of work for sure. I, I agree with there being just a lot of different touch points um, in, in a full service restaurant. And I think what I think what I would say from my perspective is very similar. Um, you know, whether you're marketing food or any any other product or service, is that you know, I think it's I think it's wise to find a small community that you can serve really well uh, versus trying to be all things to all people. And you spoke a little bit about why you began Harvest Owl. Can you go a little deeper in that? What what were the steps taken uh, to get there as a entrepreneur, as a small business owner? Challenges? Yeah. So in the back of my mind, before you know, I decided to pursue it. There was two criteria that I wanted any business, you know, any business that I would that I, that I would pursue next to to check off. Um, the first is that I wanted the project service to be inherently meaningful to me. Um, and then the second is I wanted to be, able, I wanted to be sure that we could create a project or service that was so special that if it were gone, you know, our guests would truly, truly miss it. Hmm. And, um, so that was kind of, you know, the, the, my mindset going into it. And, uh, you know, I, the, the spark was, uh, you know, I was having, uh, uh meeting a good friend of mine for beers and, uh, he ran a tech company located in Midtown Cleveland. Uh, and he just would, he would vent about how frustrated he was by the launch process in their office. And what he was seeing was you know, at, at 10 a.m., his developers who, you know, come, come 10 a.m., they, they, they wouldn't be, you know, they, they wouldn't be writing code. They would be debating where to get lunch from that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then making matters worse, they'd be bringing in, you know, pizza and Chinese that put them all to sleep by, by 3 p.m. So those, you know, that, that conversation kind of led me, led me down this road. And, you know, the more that I thought about it, you know, I have, you know, my, from an experience standpoint, I had that web-based uh, software development background uh-huh. exper- experience, uh, you know, working in and around restaurants and just the, the healthy food I find to be personally very purposeful. So uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of overlap there that made me feel like I was the right entrepreneur to bring this model to life. Mm-hmm. 
And for those who don't uh, aren't aware of, of your business, can you describe that for them? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. So our, our mission is to bring delight and good health to office worker, or actually, let me take that back now. I need to catch myself. Um, bring delight and good health to guests across the across the country, and uh, you know we do that by partnering with companies, with office buildings, and most recently with large residential buildings to uh, provide fresh, energizing, uh, convenient meals on a recurring basis. What kind of food do you do you bring in? You said it's it's healthy. Is it vegan? Is it gluten-free or what, what is, what is, yeah, there's, a, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, um, you have various different lifestyles that, that we can accommodate from what you mentioned, vegan, vegetarian, mm-hmm. gluten-free, keto, whole 30, et cetera. Uh, it's wow. a growing, it's a growing list, but you know, we focus on just running a very scratch oriented kitchen, sourcing our ingredients very thoughtfully, you know, turkey and chicken are antibiotic and hormone-free beef is grass-fed salmon is wild. Tofu is oh, organic. Nice. Um, so it's, it's, a uh, uh, just a, a focus on simple, fresh, whole ingredients. Mm-hmm. I like that. You, you know what? Take, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You know, when Scott started as Lunch Owl, the, you know, the concept was exactly what he said when he came to us and said, look, this is not just a, this is an employer issue because it's about productivity when it comes to time usage. And he's exactly right. Anyone who's ever worked in an office knows by 1030, you and whoever you have lunch with, you're starting to talk about where you're going to go out to lunch. If you go out to lunch or we're going to order in from, even now with Uber Eats and all these other things, you're still having that conversation right now. You're sending out a group order. You're waiting for everyone. And the idea was so simple that people desire to eat healthy, right? And companies want them to eat, eat well. And if you could make that easy for them, then they would, they would do that. They would stop talking about where to go to lunch and they would be very satisfied. And you would see an improvement in their wellness, which then impacts the company's overhead with sick days, personal time. I mean, all these things, when you add them all up, the fact that at, if I'm a subscriber, you know, and I go in and the, in the original model, the company was paying for a portion of the lunch, supplementing it as a wellness program. And there's a lunch, you know, there was a lunch owl refrigerator, branded refrigerator. I go in there and there's my tray with my name and everything, you know, and the, the you know, a note. And I'll let Scott talk about the notes, the lunch, the love notes he leaves for his customers, <laughs> which are wonderful. But it's basically... As Scott said, it is a very simple, well-made, well-presented meal. It's there for me when I need it. And now uh-huh. he's taken that and brought that service into apartment buildings as well. So if you're uh, you know, a resident working in University Circle or you're mm-hmm. someone who works a third shift or in, you want to eat healthy mm-hmm. and you don't want to prepare things for yourself, it's there for you at all times. Yeah, I was wondering really about that. a great that. idea. This episode's BrandX Partner Spotlight goes out to M Sales Growth Advisors. Any company can try to grow revenue by deploying unconnected tactics, but building for the future in today's rapidly evolving B2B climate means taking smart, proven, and sometimes bold chances. Helping you make insightful decisions based on a sound growth strategy is where M Sales Growth Advisors comes in. Their philosophy... We believe that every strategic sales plan to be successful 
absolutely must contain a sales mission. To learn more about M Sales Growth Advisors, visit msalesgrowth.com. That's msalesgrowth.com. I was wondering about that. Once office, the office workers are gone, like beginning of the pandemic last year, what, what was the state of harvest owl then? Or lunch owl it was, wasn't it during that time? Correct. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. Um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, when, when the pandemic set in overnight, nearly all of our partner companies closed their doors. And, you know, we, you know, we, we did our best to act quick. You know, our first, our first thought without putting a whole lot of thought into it actually was uh, to spin up lunch owl at home uh, to try to serve the same guests that we were, that we, that we were serving in the office, uh, you know, uh, via postmate delivery in their, in their homes. And we ran it for a couple of weeks. Um, the response was, was tepid. We realized uh, pretty quickly that nearly half of our, of our guest base was located just in, an, in a geographic area that we just couldn't get to in a, in a cost-effective manner. Yeah, it just, there, there wasn't going to be, you know, quite enough volume there to make, you know, for that to, for that to, to sustain us. So we shut it down just as fast as we, as we launched it. Mm. And then what happened, what happened next? Obviously business is still going. Um, yeah. So, so you have to, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, F, yeah, as we, as, as, it became, as it became very clear that this was not going to blow over anytime soon, you know, we halted our full operation you know, during this process, we did our, you know, we prioritized communication with our team and, you know, keeping everyone abreast to, to what was going on with, with regular, regular calls. And, you know, we, we, we spent a lot of time, you know, we spent a lot of time talking with, talking with our guests, talking with, you know, with our, with our partner companies and, you know, just began to kind of brainstorm how we were going to work through this this period which we just really didn't quite know what the duration was and so you know we modeled out you know what does it look like if if we're shut down for you know for one month for three months for 12 months Mm -hmm. and try to understand the kind of the you know the financial implications of each of each scenario and then we kind of shifted towards okay how how will we get through this you know one thing you know one one uh one positive outcome of talking with our partner companies during this time was it became clear that they were having trouble keeping their team members engaged and expressing gratitude for, you know, for the, all the work that they're doing, their team members were doing, working from home while also doing education for their kids and, and whatnot. And that led to the launch of a, of a sister brand called Kudo Box, which enabled us to support a number of our, of our small local vendors, uh, while also helping our partner companies engage with their team members who are working from home. And, and they're just really thoughtfully created care packages um, that support Cleveland businesses that our partner companies could send to their, to their team members. In 2020, that actually ended up generating a significant amount of revenue for us that really allowed us to offset a fair amount of our fixed costs and, and helped us work through the pandemic. You had a, so you developed a strategy with your partners and you had started this sister brand. Um, and then how did you keep, what is the process of changing lunch out of harvest out and completely shifting all of that? Pivoting, yeah, if you will. yeah. Yeah, great, great, great question. There's the first thought was, okay, we've got, you know, we had this, you know, this huge commercial kitchen, we've got these delivery trucks, how do we utilize these assets, you know, in a way that's gonna, you know, gonna be relevant right now. And so you know, we thought about, you know, just, you know, um, just offering, you know, just doing really focusing on the, the direct consumer delivery. But in that, at that time, I mean, every restaurant, every catering company was really just hitting home delivery hard. 
And, uh, you know, we realized that we needed a unique angle to cut through that noise. And that led us to kind of reflect on, okay, well, what, what are we really good at? What is our core competency? And, um, you know, we recognize that what we do really well is provide healthy food to a captive audience on a recurring basis. We have, you know, custom software, these refrigerators and whole trace that up, all that is designed to do just that. And we recognize that we could take the same service that we offer to our partner companies and uh, repackage it for large high-end residential buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at, at, this, at this time, you know, most of these folks are, are all working from home. You know, they're not dining out much, looking for healthy, convenient food. You know, this, it, the, our first step here, kind of just like back when we launched Lunch Isle in the first place, our first step was to create a pilot. And so we you know, leaned on personal connections to connect with three properties that we thought would be a great fit. Uh, one University Circle, Park Lane Villa, mm-hmm. and, and Centric in Little Italy. You know, connect with them, shared our vision for the service, got, got a fair amount of feedback, made some adjustments. Mm-hmm. And then we rehired our team and we relaunched with a focus on serving this, this type of residential property. It, you, know, we, you know, we had to make some changes to how we marketed the service. And uh, we obviously had to change our name from Lunch Out to Harvest Out because lunch was too narrow for this, for this use right. case. We spun up a new website with different messaging and, and um, different positioning. And um, yeah, we, got it, we got it rolling and the traction was great. We were really happy with the performance. Then we just shifted gears and we were, we've been focusing on, on selling more of these ever since. Whenever you... Uh began the my pandemic pivot did you see any other situations similar to scott well yeah well when scott and i talked and we talked about residential buildings one thing you know from our work with residential buildings and there's so many of them in mid-sized cities everywhere but like especially here popping up and they're all fighting for tenants and um we know that these buildings have tried, you know, and succeeded with things like um, your own dog wash facility. You know, it's all about the amenities. Yeah, some buildings had experimented with honor bars and things. So in the middle of the night, if you get hungry or thirsty, you don't have to leave the building. Um, but, you know, Scott's concept is so fitted to it because it's already for commercial buildings. It's already for a lot of people. And for a very low cost of entry for the the uh, real estate developer or the property management company, they can add something with a brand that's known amongst young professionals because they experienced it at work, if it's in Cleveland, um, and also provides them with something they absolutely need. It's just they, they know they need it. They just didn't know they could get it that way. And I'm sure that now that they've discovered it, like you said in the beginning, Scott, you've invented something that they would really miss. Yeah, even whenever I used to live downtown, I mean, all you had was just the shitty snack machine down there um, to have an actual harvest out fridge or something that I could go to, especially after maybe I hit the gym at the residential building mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. That yeah, would have been really nice. Yeah, and we've spoken to some, 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 owner, some building owners who have said, you know, we, we've tried to kind of you know, piecemeal this together and offer a, a solution like this for our tenants, but we mm-hmm. just we just couldn't do it logistically. But now that mm-hmm. you know, now that harvest now, now that harvest is, is is here, this is this provides the the meaningful improvement in terms of resident quality of life in a turnkey way at a very nominal nominal cost, and the residents are, are thrilled with it. 
And, you know, just like our, just like for, you know, for our lunch service or businesses, we, we know this is not for every, not for every building, you know, for businesses, we work with our story resonates with, with companies that are forward thinking, they're known as being great places to work. They care about the quality of life of their team members. And, right. you know, by the same, the same token, I mean, the, the properties that this resonates with are, are they're strategic property managers and property managers and owners who, you know, recognize the benefit of making a very, very small investment now up front, mm-hmm. you know, for the long-term return of more resident retention and it being easier to attract, you know, residents yeah. moving, moving forward. Are you starting to see some traction coming back in the workplace? So now you have, you'll have workplace and your residential probably ramping up soon. Yeah, you know, we're, we're starting to see a bit, not, not a whole lot quite yet, but I, I think with, um, you know, with the, the, the more, the more firm dates around the, the vaccine, that seems to, that seems to have given companies a bit, a bit more mm-hmm. confidence and, you know, when they'll get back to the office. What we have, what we have also seen in terms of another opportunity that we're, we're, pers- we're excited to con- keep pursuing is that office buildings have reached out to us because they used to have cafes in their building that would serve their, serve their tenants. And, mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately, many of those were not, a- were not able to sustain the pandemic, but they still want to provide some type of food service for their, their tenant. And so instead of us putting a fridge within a specific office, we're putting a fridge in a lobby of a large office building that any person in that building can then order a meal to that fridge. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Talk about and- the logistics and technology a little bit too, Scott. Yeah, there, you uh, have a very sophisticated platform and you have centralized, sure. you know, kitchen and talk about that because it's a very interesting part of the business. Yeah, thanks. It, you know, there's a, a lot of moving parts to, to, what, to what we're doing right now. And the software that we've really built from the ground up enables us to execute it day to day in a pretty streamlined manner. When our, when our guests sign up for our service, they can choose either automatic ordering or manual ordering and with the automatic it's similar to Pandora for lunch and dinner. You know, we send them, send them a personalized menu every week with what we've chosen for them. If they do nothing, those meals arrive. So it's just very simple and hands-off and streamlined for them. Or they can log in and they can you know, make changes to their, to their menu as they, as they wish and hold ingredients and personalize what we're bringing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a robust system on the back end that allows our kitchen to generate reports and really kind of understand uh, and understand what needs to be prepped and, and produced each each day. Mm-hmm. And the technology that we introduced because of our, our pivot to large residential relates to the, the actual harvest hour refrigerator that we set up. We're, we're putting a unit into, a, into an office. This wasn't necessary, uh, but we've added a, um, a, a, an internet connected lock to these, to these units where when our guests now go to retrieve their orders from the harvest hour fridge, they're just pulling up their phone, they're logging into their account and they're pressing unlock. And they're they're then able to open the door to to retrieve their order. That's so cool. Uh, And that same technology also is now serving as well as we place refrigerators in uh, the lobbies of large office buildings. Mm -hmm. I assume that the kitchen is pretty big that you guys have. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's about a five thousand square foot um, uh, commissary. You know, it's a lot of a lot of table space, a lot of a lot of, a lot of like long stainless steel tables, which allows us to execute our concept efficiently. What's the most popular item on the menu that people get? 
It, it's, a, it's a tough question to answer because our menu is changing every single week. Menus tend to be, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're very, very seasonal. In the spirit of keeping, keeping the service fresh and exciting, we, mm-hmm. we rotate it quite a bit. Let's see, this, this week there's a, uh, a Mediterranean portobello mushroom bowl that I, that I love. We just had some breakfast tacos that just came off the menu that, that are, that are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an apple, almond, fresh herb salad that just came off the menu. That's great. We've also started to also kind of also partner with local restaurants and work with our chef to develop a dish. So the dish is branded as, you know, I think we're, we actually have one coming up with, with Doug Katz. A, most, a, a recent one was, let's see, we did one with Bamba, we did one with, uh, with the plum. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so their chef develops a dish and our kitchen will execute it. And it's just a great, it's a great way for us to integrate into the community and to mm-hmm. support other, other great chefs in our area. It's fantastic. What is your vision for Harvest Owl moving forward as we kind of get out of this thing and into the future? Yeah, so I mean, long, long term, I you know I think like you know you know ten years down the road, we'd like to have this up up and running in thirty different markets. When I think more near term, this year we're working, we, we're still working through the pandemic, so we're focusing mm-hmm. on you're bringing on more residential buildings, more office buildings, and. Cool. Welcoming back all of our partner companies who have who have closed, which will you know take some, some some coordination. Next year in 2022, we'll focus on blanketing the city of Cleveland and the Cleveland region with Harvest Off Refrigerators, which is really fully penetrating the market. And in 2023, uh, we look forward to expanding to a second market. That's awesome, Scott. How many people are you employed right now? Do you have employed? <clears throat> uh, I mean, we're 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 pretty lean at the at, at the moment. Still, there's about, uh, about roughly roughly twelve of us. Mm-hmm. That's good. Do you plan on taking on more employees or team a- members? Abs- abso- absolutely. I mean, as we mm-hmm. as we um, you know as as folks were, we we still we still have about seventy percent of our apartment companies are still closed. So as mm-hmm. we as they begin to reopen and we, we welcome them welcome them back, we will increase our team size respectively. Mm-hmm. Mike, do you have any do you have more any, questions? Left yeah, I do. Okay, just, one, just one. Uh, you know, restaurant owners in general are struggling, and you know the food business very well. Right. You know it from all angles. Um, is there anything that you see out there going on that you want to make restaurant owners aware of that they should think about? Or would it, is there something that they're missing or that you see them struggling with a lot? Or how about things you see people doing right? I think Doug Katz has made a lot of interesting moves. And you're close to him. Yeah. He, um, he's pivoted all the way through this thing, kept changing, kept changing. It, it, it seems like there's a, you know, there, there's just needs to be recognition that our, our reality has, has shifted. You know, it seems like most operators who previously were running, you know, more fine dining restaurants have recognized that mm-hmm. just isn't really in demand at, at the moment. And like, you know, probably won't be in, in, in the near future. And I've seen most of them shift more towards, fast, casual types of operations. And I'm thinking of both the cats, uh, you know, Ben Biberoth just launched his uh, keep the change concepts, you know, virtual food hall. So I, I, I mean, I think it, it, it seems like the, you know, those who are, you know, who are responding well are embracing the opportunity for change, embracing reality and uh, developing concepts that are aligned with what guests are, are craving right now. Mm-hmm. What do you sure. think, Mike? I mean, I think that I agree with you. Uh, confessing that we're disconnected from our customers is what everyone needs to understand. We, their purchase urgency changed, right? You couldn't go out, so they stopped thinking about you. 
and then they stop thinking about going out you know and mm. now even the idea that you can go to a movie for example like i would never think of going i used to go to the movies all the time but mm. i never think of going to the movies now it's not something people are doing yeah. so i think restaurant owners are going to have to work really hard at mm. showing people enjoying the restaurant experience again i think it's going to be about seeing other people do it and saying oh i would really like to do that again i see other people doing it it looks okay and you know that's the only way they're going to bring people back is by reconnecting with them and making them feel comfortable and desirous of the experience again what does that look, what does that look, look like in practice that's a lot of social media yeah it's a it. lot of photography social media video mm. um also inviting the media back to experience the food to talk about the food again and you would think that they would be hot to do that because they want to support all of these restaurants who are their advertisers normally yeah right the big community of advertisers uh any type of restaurant needs to promote themselves in order to have customers and uh, they need to act on behalf of the restaurants and start talking about the restaurants again. Yeah. Locals. Yeah. You know, because, and that's, you know, part of the reason we started Brand X was we started seeing places like Sokolowski's go away and because they just can't market. It's a, you know, third generation, fourth generation family business. They never had to market before. Presidents came to town and they went there. Right. Right. Hmm. So we, we lose our culture, like you mentioned, we lose our cultural kind of sensibility as a place if we lose the chefs and the independents and the family restaurants, you know, then everything, I keep saying everything becomes Applebee's and yeah, we don't want that. Right. So yeah. we want to see restaurants marketing. Somehow. Mm, absolutely. I don't have... Any other questions? I always end with usually the same question I started with, Scott, and that is, what is one word used to describe yourself? I'm still optimistic. <laughs> <laughs>